Success looks so easy from the outside, but all successful people have had to overcome enormous obstacles along the way. And in many cases, look failure right in the eye. Most successful people don't focus on the struggle and rarely do they talk about it because quite frankly, that's not what creates success. Join us here where we will chat with fierce female entrepreneurs and share the good, the bad, and the ugly of entrepreneurship and talk about the obstacles we have faced and how you can overcome them to reach the success that you desire. I am your host, Cami Lehman, and this is the She's Invincible Podcast. Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining us today on the She's Invincible podcast. And oh my gosh, do I have an invincible one to introduce you to today. Christine O'Brien Horstman is the author of Deal With It Doll, Coaching Yourself Through Crisis. She is a life and career coach and corporate trainer. Christine's specialty is emotional intelligence and communication skills. She helps her clients articulate their worth and what they want. Christine is a chronic illness warrior who has added long haul COVID to her resume. Known for her laugh, Christine brings a healthy dose of humor and playfulness into all that she does. Welcome, Christine. Oh my gosh, it is so exciting to have you here on the She's Invincible podcast. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. Oh my gosh. So fun. I love your book. Deal with it, doll. (laughs) Let me tell you, no truer words. I needed to read that this month. (laughs) So yes, yes. So great. So great. So I am just thrilled to have you. Um, I would love for you to jump in and tell our listeners how in the world did you get where you are today and what makes you invincible? (laughs) Well, I think like so many other people, a lot of twists and turns um, to get here. I first kind of got started in my career journey, um, early 20s. I worked for my family for a little bit, one or two, you know, other jobs. When I really kind of started my career and found the right thing, it was for a student travel company. And uh, what attracted me to that was that I was working as a computer programmer at the time after having worked for my family. I was a political science graduate, so I wanted to work for municipal government as sort of, (laughs) I guess nerdy and lame as that might sound to some people. That's the part I was really attracted to. I graduated in the early 90s and the economy was horrible. So every government agency was under a hiring freeze. So I found one job and they're like, you qualify for this. And I was like, yeah, I don't think so. (laughs) But they gave me a test. I got an interview and they actually had a training program. So they trained me how to be a computer programmer analyst. And I liked it fine. I was okay, but I could sit in a cubicle all day for eight hours and not talk to anybody. And I felt like I was like, you know, shrinking up and it wasn't the right fit for me. And this is back when we actually looked in the newspaper to find a job. And I saw an ad that said, um, London, Barcelona, Dallas. And I had studied abroad in Barcelona and I live in Dallas. And so I was like, what is this? And it was for that student travel company. And I loved it. And it was great fit for a long time. And that was a company that invested really heavily in me, in my training and in my development. 
And I've never forgotten that. I've always really appreciated that. And I eventually became a sales manager, became a general manager. And through the general manager experience, I did a lot of hiring, firing sometimes, but all staff development. And then I started developing younger managers. So all that really laid the foundation for what I'm doing now. It just took me a long time to really figure out that was my true calling, if you will. Love it. So did you leave when you left that career? Is that when you went into being an entrepreneur? No. So I was a general manager for several other companies, all private companies. Um, a co- one really, really large private company, a couple smaller ones. So I still use my general manager skills for um, a couple different industries, direct marketing, wholesale manufacturing, uh, event planning eventually. And so I still was leaning into that. But what happened for me was the chronic illness journey. So I, found, I fell into another GM role that I loved for the manufacturing company uh, tied to retail, which I had experience in from my family's business and the design element, all of which I also love. But when my son was uh, one-ish, I was diagnosed with thyroid cancer and I was working for them at the time. And I stopped working because I, it was really hard to function with a baby and, and that illness. Went back with him for a while, but the chronic illness thing just kind of kept hitting me, kept hitting me. And so that is really what shaped the course of my journey of, I would say that and being a mother and the combination of trying to parent while you're chronically ill, I feel like I've gone through what a lot of other women have gone through of trying to reinvent yourself sometimes over and over of, I'm going to stay home. I'm going to have a side hustle. I'm going to you know, do the direct marketing, you know, kind of a little side business, the Rodana Fields or the whatever else. And I'm going to go back full time and I have childcare, I'm juggling. Now, I feel like you name it, I tried it along the way. I got it. Wow. Well, that's enough in itself to push you out of corporate, right? And yeah. be like, <laughs> I got to find something else. This is not sustainable. So tell us what makes you invincible. Well, it, it all honestly kind of seems to always come back to my body for me, but the chronic illness thing, because um, it's just really taught me how to dig in deeper. It's forced me to face myself. Um, when you're chronically ill, you're alone a lot, you know, and you stare at the same four walls. And that journey, I think, has increased my self-awareness. It's forced me to face issues that we all face just with a little bit more jagged edge, if you will. We all have a limited amount of time and energy, right? We all have um, boundaries and needs and what works best for ourselves and our families. It just was all very intensified for me. And so it took some time to, to wind up in this place. And, but it's kind of what ended up doing it in the end, like you said, of what's, how can I still be a working professional and still have that part of myself that I want to put out in the world, also make money for my family, you know, all those pieces. But the chronic illness has just, it's taught me resilience. It's taught me resilience. And my son also has learning differences. And especially when he was little, what we went through for that um, and having to be his advocate I think just made me feel even more like um, 
put whatever in my way, I'm going to find a way through it, right? You know, one way or another, I'm going to keep going. I love it. Oh my gosh. I love that. And you know what? I just have to stop here for a minute and tell you that I love what you just said about your son having learning differences. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so like, you know what? You got to, that, that's what it is, right? We have to stop calling it all these other things. Like that is what it is. And, um, you want the best for your son with whatever that difference is, right? Like, let's not put him in this category of like all these other things, but let's just notice like there's something different. I love that you said that differences. That is so empowering. Uh, I think more people that have that situation within their families um, or circles need to approach it that way. So I would love to talk more about that maybe at the end. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Okay, so I couldn't be more excited to talk about this topic (laughs) today and I'm going to mute myself. (laughs) (laughs) because it is my favorite topic that I love to teach on and love to have conversation around, but I want you to take the stage. So today you are here to talk about EQ. Oh my (laughs) gosh. You know, it was, I was probably well into my life of career when I learned that there's a difference between IQ and EQ. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And it was through dealing with a lot of people that didn't have EQ that I found. (laughs) I know you're going to talk about this. And and then the other thing is the disc uh, personality type. So Oh my gosh, let's do it. Let's jump in. Let's start with EQ because I think like then we can roll into those other things. Yeah, perfect. Because DISC really is something I like as a tool to strengthen our emotional intelligence. So it's perfect to to go through it that way. Yeah, and start with what is it, right? Like, because a lot of people are going to be like I was 15 years ago. They didn't even know what that meant. So let's tell them what it is, you know, and all of, and then go right in. Yeah, so emotional intelligence um, really is in the 90s that started being um, discussed and the book was written called Emotional Intelligence and I think there's a 2.0 in that one. But emotional intelligence is the awareness of self and the awareness of others. And one of the components of emotional intelligence is also innate motivation um, when we talk about the self component. And I think that's a really important factor when we think of things like resilience and she's invincible, right? Is that how do we tap into that innate motivation? And some of us have a little stronger sense of that than others. Um, Some of us have a stronger sense of self-awareness. And then the other component on the self is self-regulation and managing our emotions, which is usually (laughs) the hardest part for most of us, right? Um, And emotional intelligence underpins all of our other soft skills as a, when I wear my career coach hat, but also the life coaching piece. But in order to have really good soft skills, you have to have a strong emotional intelligence. So one of the ways to boost your soft skills is to spend time working on that emotional intelligence piece. And besides the self-awareness side, like I mentioned, it's the awareness of others. So it's being tuned into the style of another person, their communication style, their innate, what, what drives them, what are their motivators, 
What are the emotions going on for them? When you have a really high emotional intelligence, oftentimes you can identify the emotions of others before they can, you know, when they're not quite there yet or they're still processing, or you're picking up on the emotions that aren't being expressed, right? Who is talking in the room? Who, you know, isn't? Um, What's being said? What isn't being said? How is it being said? You know, our body language, our tone of voice, our facial expression. And then the other component of the, the others piece of emotional intelligence, the awareness of others, the other side of that is empathy. And empathy is one of those topics that it was being talked about. You know, you saw articles on LinkedIn professionally and, and other places where it's becoming more of a conversation piece. But the pandemic really highlighted that, right? And we started hearing calls for empathetic leadership. And when I see job descriptions for clients who are actively seeking jobs, I see empathy, especially for leadership positions on there. Now we're also using the term, not just active listening, but um, empathetic listening. And so we're listening without judgment. We're listening to seek to understand. And we're listening to actually put ourselves in the shoes of the other person. Really, really understand, right? And so that's important. It's also an important part of the conversation around diversity, inclusion, equity, and belonging, right? And a lot of us grew up with the idea of like the golden rule, you know, treat others as we wish to be treated. Now um, we're teaching the concept of the platinum rule. Treat others the way they wish to be treated because what they might want and need is different from what I might want and need. So emotional intelligence is important for all of our relationships, personally or professionally, but really if you want to develop your career, it's, it's so important. I always say soft skills are the key to success. That's what makes the difference. There's a lot of good statistics from hiring managers that the person with the better hard skills and even more years of experience, they are not going to get promoted over the person with the better soft skills. And so communication is the mother of all soft skills. And strong communication skills are underpinned by listening skills and emotional intelligence. So it's, it's just so important. It's so, so important. Oh my gosh. So I'm listening to you and I have to tell you this, that, you know, of course it's all of what you said. And then it is, you know, also how you're responding, right? Like you're, mm-hmm. how emotionally mature are you, right? So I am a work in progress. I'll tell you that. Cause I we tend to are. be, yeah, <laughs> when we get into the disc, we'll, we'll know more about me, but I am the one, <laughs> I am the one, right? So I'm the one who, uh, I look at my other friends who are calm, cool, and collective. And I look at them like, why are you not freaking out? You, you know, you should be freaking out like I am. <laughs> and I envy that in them because they're just, they got it together and they just don't lose it. And I like you, I can keep it together for a certain amount of time, but man, one more push. And I'm like, boom. <laughs> and so, and I'm like, and that's when I go, okay, I need to go back and work on that. I definitely need to work on that. So, so crazy, but I love this conversation. And, you know, it's so funny because it's, I love it. It ties so much in with your book, right. Of coaching yourself. Um, and that is so much about what this is, right. Is like with every situation going back and like reviewing, reflecting, how could I handle this differently? Right. If I'm not on top of my game. 
Um, and we all have triggers, right? So even if we're all over it, like that shows up too, right? Like you trigger somebody and it doesn't matter how much they have it together. They're probably going to lose it. So then, and then yeah, no, we all have that tipping point and yeah. we'll never not be working on ourselves. We'll never not be <laughs> trying to work on our emotional intelligence or our communication skills because we're dealing with emotions and other people, our own self that sometimes as, as much as we've worked on our self-awareness, we realize, oh, oh gosh, that isn't as processed as I thought it was, you know, <laughs> right? And just new and then stress, right? Um, when we're under stress, it can be harder to emotionally regulate, right? Yeah. Yeah. We shouldn't talk about Will Smith, right? <laughs> well, yeah. Talking about, I know, I know. about triggers and stress and yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it's and a perfect EQ. example. It's a perfect example. Like look at his book, look at the, um, what he's tried to cultivate in himself, the way he has, I think successfully carried himself as that calm, cool, emotionally regulated person. And we just saw him not do that. Right. And yes. he can speculate for all the reasons, but it just goes to show, um, we do all have triggers and we're not always going to be our best self 100% of the time. Yeah. Oh, and listen, and this is where your next part comes in, right? <laughs> like this is where we talk about those things. But one thing I want to say before we do that is I love this platinum rule. I love mm. it because I spent 28 years with a company that that was their mission and motto was the golden rule. And so that was always oh, yeah, 28 years, Christine. So like that has been, they. I mean, they made marbles that said it. They had... <laughs> sticky things that said it like it was the biggest thing out there and this is the first time that I have heard this platinum rule mm -hmm. of treating others the way they want to be treated and take yourself out of it omg that is like yeah that is like, it's a big shift it's a big it shift is. and right on time right right on time because yep. this is kind of where we need to be now oh gosh okay let's keep going so, okay, so should we switch into DISC a little bit? So Yeah, let's um, do it. Yeah, so DISC is one of my favorite tools to help increase our self-awareness, our understanding of ourselves, and understanding of other people. And so that's why I say it's a great tool for emotional intelligence and communication. So, you know, I'm a coach. You know, give me any personality assessment. I love all of that stuff, right? Um, horoscopes, tarot, bring those in too. Like, <laughs> I'm down for any of those pieces of reflecting and thinking about yourself. But DISC is my favorite because compared to some others um, that are, you know, very popular and valuable also, it's just easier to get your head around. It's easier to remember and therefore it's easier to utilize and apply. It is at its surface more simple because it focuses on four main personality types. It can go just as complex um, because when you start to get into unique blends, et cetera, you can dive super deep if you want to. And I could nerd out and talk about it all day. But um, at its core, like I said, it's four main personality types. And you're going to love this because, we're, again, we're talking about she's invincible. So I should have known there was some other little kismet thing going on. But um, I already mentioned tarot and horoscopes. So now everyone like the, my woo-woo side is out. <laughs> I added myself. But um, so when I started learning about DISC, 
I learned that Dr. William Marston is the creator of DISC. He was a contemporary of Freud, um, Harvard psychologist. And while others were looking at, you know, what they would term abnormal human behavior, like what Freud was probing and, and, and researching, he wanted to talk about, quote unquote, normal human behavior. What are our typical emotions and reactions? And from a psychological standpoint, behavior is observable and therefore it's measurable, but we measure it sort of intensity, you know, through descriptors. But come to find out, William Marston is also the creator of Wonder Woman. So <laughs> I absolutely love that little tidbit. And I was like, no wonder, no wonder. So um, anyway, I know probably there's a lot of your listeners out there who, like me, also love Wonder Woman. So um, I just love that, um, that they're tied together. But four main personality types, and I talk about this in the book, I mentioned it first in the relationships chapter, um, but there is, again, that piece of self-understanding of how to have some of us reacted, especially like in the context of the pandemic, what may have driven us crazy. And But then I also talk about it in the leadership, because as I mentioned, talking about emotional intelligence, on that professional side, if you want to go next level, if you want to be a leader, having this awareness is really important. So the four main personality types, and I guess let me just give a little caveat. Marston didn't, he put it into the public domain. So he didn't want it owned by one person. So you will hear DISC talked about with different names. So, you know, typically though, if you see any kind of personality typing, personality assessment based on four styles, it's some version of DISC. So we've got the high D dominant driving doers. We've got the high eyes, which are our influential, inspiring, energetic types who kind of bring the fun. We look at those types as outgoing um, and a little bit more extroverted, moving at a faster pace. At first glance, they can sometimes seem a little bit like each other. Um, but our high Gs, our dominant driving doers, they are task-oriented. That's their innate orientation. And our high eyes, that inspiring type, that influential type, they are people-oriented. So relationships go first and foremost. They're a little bit more focused on feeling. So they share some characteristics and they might appear outwardly similar, but that innate motivator is very different. And then we have our supportive, sweet high S's who sometimes run a little bit more shy. They are also people and relationship oriented, but they are moving at a slower, more moderate pace or more introverted. So again, they share some with the eyes, um, but they're moving into a little bit more reserved territory. They're the people who are very aware of what's going on, picking up on other people's emotions, but they're not the first to have to talk about theirs. They're the quieter ones, the observers. They do better one-on-one -on -one in small groups, and you sometimes have to solicit their opinion, which is important because they are paying attention and they are people-oriented. So they can be really powerful on teams in that regard. Um, and then we have our high Cs, the conscientious, cautious, cerebral, analytical one. They are also moving at a slower or more moderate pace. They're more reserved like those high S's, the supportive types. But they, like the high D's, the dominant driving doers, are task-oriented. 
And so we have these commonalities and difference, whether you are extroverted or introverted, moving at a faster or more moderate, slower pace, and whether or not you're a task or people oriented. And I would argue extroversion and introversion aren't as well understood as most of us think they are, but we're a little bit more comfortable and aware of, oh, they're loud, they talk a lot, they do this like me with their hands, <laughs> you know, they're willing to share their thoughts and feelings, sometimes a little too much, or, you know, they're more reserved, they're calmer, like you said, they're cucumbers, maybe even a little poker face sometimes. We're a little better at identifying that. It takes time to know someone to figure out this task versus people orientation. And of course, people are blends of all these types. Um, and so sometimes people have fairly high tendencies that are similar, but most of us have a highest trait that is more obvious and more, um, you know, what we call above the midline and disc. So most of us have one highest trait and usually a secondary or two secondary types. But there are those where their two highest are kind of a lot closer, you know. I actually um, just had a client where we did her actual full disc assessment, and she is a SD, which is pretty unusual because they're really opposite. And I was like, this is why you sort of have these internal battles almost, right? Because you have this competing sides to yourself. But it's also what's making her really, really strong as an entrepreneur because she has some innate balance in her you know, of, of these different uh, perspectives and, and drives. I love that. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. So fun, so fun. So I'm listening to you and I'm laughing because before we hit record, we were both like coming through the microphone as our oh, highest yeah. eye version <laughs> of two Jersey girls could ever be. <laughs> oh my gosh. So fun. So fun. So fun. So I, you know, I just have to share this funny story about when I first started out in corporate America and I had this, um, I had this, you know, pretty high position where I spoke to a lot of men and they were, you know, very successful and and had big positions in the company. And so that kind of was like, where I came from. And then I go into Mm -hmm. this, you know, entrepreneurial journey and I'm talking to these women (laughs) that I'm leading. Like I would talk to these men in this corporate environment and they were all like quitting. And I was like, why are they all quitting? (laughs) It's like, oh, I was killing them. I see. Came on strong, aggressive for them. Yes. Yes. And a lot of them were S's and, you know, I's and I was like taking their oxygen away. And so (laughs) I would just kill them off. I like, and honestly, I would have been out of business had I not learned this, but that's when this all came to, you know, brought forward. And, um, my senior, uh, had this workshop. She came into town. She was so smart and she put on this workshop and she brought in this woman who taught about the DISC. And then I was like, the light bulb went off. I was like, Oh, I killed them all. Okay. I got to stop doing that. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Well, so this is why I love this because it gives you, when you teach someone the model, they are like, aha. And this is how you learn to do the platinum rule, right? This is how you learn. How do I give them what they want besides listening to someone else, right? But this is how you sort of learn to adapt and adjust to someone else's needs. So, you know, I could delegate the same project to four different personality types. I would just delegate it with different language. 
to each of them, right? Um, and maybe the pace or the amount of support. So it really gives you some powerful tools. And I used to do a workshop with a, a friend of mine where we, we had trained together when we both got accredited for DISC um, called Talking to Teens. And so we would say to the parents, like, we're not parents experts, but we're parents. We are DISC experts. And you don't even have to tell us what struggle you're having with your kid. We're going to do their assessment and we're going to do yours. And we're going to walk you through the model and you're going to go, oh, now I know what's wrong. Now I know where we're clashing. Now I know every time I say this, they react that way. And so it really can give you a, an awesome tool to start adjusting, right? And then you just also kind of have a better understanding of yourself and those other people. So that's why it really is my go-to tool for increasing our emotional intelligence and concrete tools to shift our communication skills. I love it. And what would you say is your favorite disc book? Like, I know there's like so many versions. Is there any one version? I have my favorite, but I want to hear what yours is. Oh my gosh. So that's kind of hard for me because since I've been trained, I have like so many different, um, so, um, the company I was trained through does a lot of their own works. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, so it makes it a little harder for me to do a, a strong recommendation. I'm going to okay. have to work on that though, because I'd love to be able to pass on more. Um, tell me what yours is. Oh yeah. So mine is called positive personality profiles. And I oh, can't okay. even tell you who wrote it, but it's a purple book. I have it on one of my okay. bookshelves. Uh, but it's called Positive Personality Profiles. And this was out in like the 90s because I think this, yeah. I took this class and I got that book and that one was the most fun to read. There's another one out that is about animals, right? So they take like the DISC. Yeah, and they put it into- yeah. So they're in this story in this forest and, you know, this and right. owl is acting this way and the, you know, and so, right. and that's really cool. But, but the one that I loved the most, I would say that I learned the most and stuck with was the positive personalities. Yep. Profiles. So, yeah. And I wish I could think of the name offhand because there's one through the company that I trained with that's really geared about kids. Um, I love that. Yeah. So we can yeah, put that in the show students. notes. So just send I, that over. Gonna say, let me find that. And then we can share it that yes. way because a lot of people have been introduced to DISC through professionally, right. You know, through work when I, I didn't, I didn't know it was DISC. They didn't tell me it was DISC, but when I, that company, the educational travel company I was talking about, cause I was in sales and customer service, we were trained on DISC. I just didn't know it was called that at the time. Right. And so a lot of people, especially if you come through sales, have experienced this at work and have never even thought <laughs> to use it at home, right? And like even think about it in that light, you know? So, and that was one of the reasons I chose um, the company that I use for the back end because I could do a disc assessment for someone as young as five years old. And, and it just gives you, again, these insights and tools. And for kids, well, for all of us, DISC also helps you to name your strengths, which is so important. And, um, but also how to like keep them in balance, right? Because a, a strength overuse can turn into a weakness, of course. So for the kids, I think it's really powerful to help them to name their strengths. I love it. 
I love, yeah. And you know what? That is really such a good point too, because, you know, you can have multiple children, different genders, Mm -hmm. right? And every one of them is different. And it's so funny to see, you know, and it's, I think it's interesting, you know, you wonder like, is it environment? Is it the gene pool? Like, what is it? Because it's like the same parents can raise a whole house full of kids and every one of them is different. And I think that that I think is amazing. I also think it's very challenging Uh, as a parent. Like, you know, you start with the first one. So then when the second one comes, you think, well, I know what to do. Oh, no, you don't. (laughs) You're starting over. (laughs) You don't know what to do. Yeah. (laughs) And it's funny because um, so personality insights is the company that I'm um, trained through and, and, and work with um, for all my materials, et cetera. I mean, now I create my own, but you know, back when I was training or whatever, and I use all their (laughs) assessments and reporting. But the, the fellow who started the company and got into this was because he has five kids, but one of them really gave him a run for the money. And guess what? She was a high D because she was, you know, challenges, choices, and control. And she was really strong-willed, which can be a huge asset, hard to parent, you know? So I resonate funny, with that. Into it. <laughs> <laughs> I totally resonate with that, Christine. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Well, this has been so fun. And I would love for you to tell our listeners about your book. This book yeah. is amazing. Look at this. If you're watching this on uh, the video part, look at this. So amazing and powerful. So tell us about Deal With It Doll. Yeah. So what happened is early in the pandemic, I heard myself sharing a lot of what I've learned through my journey with chronic illness. And the basically like there's nothing like a health crisis to bottom line things, right? And that's what we were dealing with, with the pandemic was a collective health crisis. And this idea of what's essential, right? You know, and only essential workers and leave the house for essential things. And so these words were like popping around. And I felt like a pro at shelter in place. I had, you know, I had had whooping cough like a few years before and was sick for like five months. And, you know, again, when you're chronically ill, you're home alone a lot. You, you kind of get used to this. And it is, it's a mind game. A lot of it is it's mind over matter at times to pick yourself back up when you are forced to stop, you know, for circumstances outside of your control. So I found myself sharing a lot of what I had learned through my chronic illness journey. And then a woman I had met years before, and this is always my plug as a career coach side of networking, um, as you don't know, you you plant seeds and you don't know what's going to come of them. So stay open, put yourself out there. But the woman I had met years ago, um, she had started her own publishing house a couple years before. And she just put a post out saying, who's interested in exploring these topics? And one of them was coping. And I thought, yeah, like this is what's on my mind. And this is kind of what I'm talking about with everyone. And I feel like a bit of an expert with coping by what I've gone through. It's not what I lead with, with my coaching. Um, And yet it's a backdrop of it. And I feel like it's one of the reasons that I am a good coach because of what I've gone through with myself and with my son and um, thinking about resilience and strength. And, and things on a, on a different level and resilience than I think than maybe some other people have experienced or thought about. And so I said, I want to I do this. I always had wanted to write a book. This was not the book I imagined I would write. This wasn't like the book that was in my mind, per se, if you will. But as we started brainstorming it, um, 
this is what came out. And I wanted to talk about both the personal and professional. Um, the tagline for my business is personal development, professional support. And so I felt like I had the opportunity with this book in the backdrop of the pandemic, the lessons I've learned through my journey with chronic illness uh, as a mother, and of course, as a professional coach um, to develop it. So one half is personal, one half is professional. And it's about the challenges and changes we face in life. So we go through health, self, parenting, and relationships. We go through education, careers, leadership, and wealth, or finances. And it's almost in that way, like a little bit, if you've ever done the Wheel of Life exercise, it's like a deep, deep, deep Wheel of Life exercise, I suppose, on some level, because it's all these facets of our whole life. And and we don't live a work life and a home life and this ever elusive idea of balance. And like I talked about me trying to figure out how do I be what I feel I'm meant to be and you know, all these changes. And so it's also not necessarily always crisis like my cancer diagnosis sort of, er, you know, the world feels like it stops or the pandemic where it feels like the world stops. It could just be graduating from college you know, a natural change and transition that we anticipate, but still stressful. And it still asks hard questions of ourselves. And for me, what I've learned is that clarity can be the gift of crisis. And I'm hoping to walk the reader through thinking about these different themes in our life and what can we learn from it. And you may not, um, for example, be a parent yet or ever or something, but we are all have parents or we're all a child uh, of someone. And so, and we're also adults, you know, with influencing other young people in our lives, personally and professionally. So there's also just things to think through and talk about and reflect on your journey. And hopefully I think in some ways, maybe prevent some things from becoming actually a crisis because we're doing some of the work proactively. I love it. Love, love, love it. And I love what you're the, some of the chapters that, you know, how you break it down, but you know, the first one is, you know, about your health, you are not Mm -hmm. unreliable. Your health is unreliable, right? Like we have to remember that, like you are not the illness, like this is what's happening to you, but you are still who you were and you can Mm -hmm. still remain that. Uh, But sometimes your health is going to be unreliable, which is going to cause your situation to be that way as well. Like there's just so much in here, but, um, (laughs) I just, I love all of it. Like then the, and the ending of like the wealth and the bottom line, oh my gosh, it's so important, right? Such a reminder to come back around to say, like, you still are in control. You still can make good decisions. Mm -hmm. Um, and I love your journaling pages. So I'm flipping through here. Um, so I love, I, I don't know the rest of you, but I hate to write (laughs) in books and highlight and do all those crazy things. And so sometimes I do the John Maxwell one, which is he writes in the cover in the inside of the, of the, you know, cover. Uh, But I love this because it gives me permission to write in the book. Like here, there's a place for you. We made this just for you. Start writing. right? And so I love that because it helps me go back. And if I maybe don't read it a second time, at least I go Mm -hmm. back and I can look through what those things were that spoke to me then. 
and see, you know, where I am at a different time. So I love that. And we're going to have the link directly to the book. So don't worry, you guys. Um, the book <laughs> is called Deal With It Doll, Coaching Yourself Through Crisis. Uh, and the link will be here in the show notes. So as you're listening, just click the show notes and you can go right in to get your copy of this amazing book. Oh my gosh, what a gift you put into the world by writing all of this and putting it out there for other people. What an impact. So amazing. And you are are invincible. And in a minute, <laughs> so we're going to talk more about that. So let's do this. Let's tell our listeners where they can find you. Yeah. So you can find me at my website at um, paperdollcommunication.com. Uh, no S, all one big, long, fat word, paperdollcommunication.com. Love it. And all of her links are in the show notes, you guys. She's everywhere. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. So don't miss it wherever your favorite place is to hang out. Just click the show notes, get her there. Uh, you definitely want to connect with her for a conversation. Send her some feedback. Let her know what Absolutely. you think. Yes. Like we're out here sharing her greatness and her invincibility today. So when you listen, reach out to her or even submit a, you know, you can submit a rating and review on our show here as you're listening and send a little note that way through Christine as well, because you know what the, she needs feedback too. We all do. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. That would be amazing. Yes. And of course, once you read the book, you can also submit a review about the book. So you want to do that too. Don't miss an opportunity to let someone know uh, the way that they have impacted your life or something they said that you resonate with. So don't miss those opportunities. They're amazing. Hey, I hope you're enjoying this episode. And just before we get to the good stuff, right? The good, the bad, and the ugly, I have this great announcement for you. We are starting the Pod Power Hour, which is a virtual event that's going to happen on Wednesdays at noon Eastern. And so if you've ever thought about having a podcast, if you have questions, if you are a podcaster and you wanna come and meet other podcasters and learn what's new, what's happening, tips and tricks to be better at this amazing passion of podcasting that you have, we would love for you to join us. We're gonna have experts there that are gonna be sharing they're genius. It's going to be amazing. So, and if you're a host and you want to come meet some amazing uh, people that could be potential guests for you on your show, come on out. What a great way to get exposure. Be sure to check it out on my website at camilehman.com as well as follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Whatever is your favorite platform, we will have registration there. You do need to register to attend. And it is on Zoom, so super simple, just one hour every other Wednesday. We start on May 4th, so don't miss out. Get registered today. We can't wait to see you there. You have moved from fighting cancer to discovering how to live beyond it. But what now? With so many emotional side effects still unknown, as a new survivor, you find yourself in a void as you navigate through the isolation, fear, and an uncertain future that can overshadow you and your family for years to come. Instead of focusing on the uncertainty of cancer, 
Consider how strong and determined you are, and think of the strength demonstrated by those who stood beside you through it all. Consider this. You now get to choose who you want to be, and what your intentional, fulfilled life can look like. You made it through treatment. We can help you define yourself as a survivor. We're here to help you through this moment, to walk beside you as you shift your mindset from counting the days of life to creating a legacy. For more information, visit www.adventuretherapyfoundation.org or contact us at info at Well, Christine, this has been so much fun. Oh my gosh. I have been waiting for, oh, month, like a few months now uh, to, to get with you and have this conversation and share your greatness. And, you know, on the She's Invincible podcast, we promise our listeners that we're going to bring fierce female entrepreneurs. We are going to spotlight them. We are going to show their expert zone of genius. We're going to give so much value. And you have done that so well today in talking oh, about you. these topics of EQ and the, the dispersonalities and, and resources to go to, to be able to go even deeper. And of course, you as a coach, right? So that's something that um, you are able to help people with as well, right? So, uh this has been amazing, but we are not done because we also promise our listeners that, you know, as they see you with these mountaintop experiences, they're comparing themselves and they're thinking, yeah. she's so beautiful. She's so smart. She's so well-spoken. She's got the right personality type. Her EQ is off the chart. Like they say these <laughs> things uh, because that's what they see of the mountaintop experience. But we know, right, the journey right. <laughs> is what brought us to the place of all that we celebrate today. And they don't see that part because as successful entrepreneurs, we know the more you talk about it, right? That's not what brings success. It's it's keep on going, work it out, get through it. What is it? Deal with it, doll. Right? Yes, right. Exactly. <laughs> like, yes, with a pun intended, right? Like they, they don't see that. So they go through their journey and they think, there's something wrong with me because I can't do it. It's hard. It shouldn't be hard. They didn't make it look hard. They made it look easy. Do you remember yeah. that? Well, no, I just experienced it with this again. I mean, it, it, I don't think that really totally stops, right? There was one part. I mean, honestly, I was like, we were leaving for the airport and I was like on my bed sobbing. Okay. Like my husband's like, we got to get in the Uber. Like, what is, what is happening here? You know? And, and he was like, what made you think it was going to be easy? <laughs> like, why was that even your expectation that this part of this process was supposed to be smooth and easy, you know? And so, and I guess that's why I say like the learning really never ends. And, um, and again, I faced that when, when I was close to the end of the book is when I got COVID. And it had me double, I say this actually in the epilogue, it had me doubling back through everything I had just written. Like, okay, I hear you. I, let's be sure. You know? <laughs> but um, so none of us has it all the way together. In the, the Will Smith thing, none of us has it together all the time. We are imperfect. We are flawed. Um, a lot of emotions came up for me that I thought I had processed in writing the book, you know? So I think we have to have 
some grace with ourselves and with each other. And you know, social media is powerful because it is that powerful connector, right? Where we can network with people we would have in other times lost touch with, right? So it's a beautiful thing. And when I was on heights of parts of my chronic illness journey, I was so grateful to have social media. It's where I felt like a little bit a part of the world and to have chronic illness support groups that were virtual when sometimes I felt like the people in my real life didn't get it. Those virtual people got it. They were going through what I was going through. So I think that comparison, you know, what's the saying? Comparison's a thief of joy, but that's the double-edged sword of social media, right? Where we're comparing and that there, there is no overnight success. That it doesn't actually happen. Overnight success comes from a lot of hard work, sweat and tears, moments of fear, moments of sobbing on the bed <laughs> before your flight, you know? So yes. um, I just think that is really, you know, I talk about lessons learned in the book uh, in every chapter. That is like a, 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 a large life lesson that I think for reminded of over and over and sometimes still learning. Absolutely. And that is why we have this podcast, because we not only share your greatness, but we share your journey. And we are about to do that right now. So, ah, yes, we promise the good, the bad, <laughs> and the ugly of every journey that comes through the She's Invincible podcast. So we're going to get started. So tell us a story about the good of, the, of this journey that you've taken. So right now, the book is just such a highlight right now, and it's, it's kind of created a busy season, so I am trying to remind myself to stop and just be thankful that this is where I wanted to be, right? Because I think that's the other thing that happens. We work hard to get to the next step, and then it's like, oh my gosh, this is stressful too, you know, or there's a new shift. So I'm trying to remind myself to um, take it in and breathe it in and just be in it. And it's been such a lovely blessing because it's connected me to a lot of people. I've been hearing from like friends from high school that I've you know hardly talked to in years and years and years, sharing really personal things after reading the book with me. Um, I had people show up to my virtual launch that I went to elementary school with that I haven't seen since elementary school. You know, so it has been. I think I told you, but like a wedding, like my launch of where I was like all these people from different parts of my life, um, I'm going to cry, <laughs> celebrating with me, you know, and for me. And um, it was such a reminder that, um, I think you sort of alluded to this before, you're, you're touching people's lives and you don't know it. Um, you know, you may not get the like on your post, but you, someone saw it and it, it, it meant something to them. Um, and so th the book you know, has brought a lot, a lot of good pieces um, that I'm super grateful for. I love it. That's awesome. You know, and I think about authors and, uh, you know, when they write their books and I think about the story of the little boy on the beach throwing the starfish back in the water. And I kind of like visualize like that book, like you put that book out there and it is like your guts, it's your heart and soul and you can't take it back. It's not like a podcast <laughs> episode where you can be like, oh, I'm taking that down. It's not like that. Like it is out there. Right. And but when you throw that book out there, you, you're saying I can make a difference to that one. I can make a difference to that one. And all all those people who grab that book and sit down with it, you are making a difference. So I really want to encourage our listeners, 
click the link, grab the book and just curl up, curl up in your favorite chair and read this book and, and let your life be changed. I think that is, that is the, the message here is, you know, so many times we think we have it all and it's like, no, 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 sit down and let your life be changed. You know, you may have it all together today, but you do not know what you might face tomorrow. That's so true. Yes. Like I know we're going to go into some more stories here and I know Mm -hmm. like you never anticipated, you know, the journey that you, that you took and, um, and neither does anyone else. So, you know what? I feel like this is like vitamins for you. It's like to help prepare (laughs) you. So you're ready ahead of time before the crazy stuff. So, uh, so, so beautiful. All right. Well, congratulations on that amazing book. And uh, it's so great to hear that you had that like crying on the bed story because (laughs) we all have it. I had mine on the side of the road when the the 18 wheelers were going by at 80 miles an hour and my car was shaking and I was losing it. So like everyone has a story. Um, and I'm so glad to hear yours. And so let's move on to the bad. So we'll save the Mm -hmm. ugly for last, but tell us a story about the bad part of your journey. Well, it, it is the health stuff. I mean, you know, when you're in that stronger place again, um, when you're having a good stretch, um, cause what I live with is it's not curable stuff, right? It's, it's autoimmune. It's multiple things. I've got one genetic thing. It's like, it's managing, right? And we've made a lot of lifestyle choices, um, in order to manage it differently. Um, but when you're in a stronger place, it's easy to sometimes forget, you know, how hard it was, which again is where I think that empathy and compassion for other people's experiences, because you might both have the same diagnosis, but it might be interfering in your lives differently. You might be experiencing it differently. Um, and so it sometimes can be um, humbling with chronic illness because you get in these good places and you're like, okay, I'm back. And so there's this feeling of like, you're always chasing what you were once before. And someday I'm going to be that me again. Someday I'm going to be restored to better health completely. Um, and that to me was bad. Like when I finally started to say like, this may be the best it ever gets. And how do I make this the best? Um, I think a big shift started to take place in me because um, it is humbling um, when your body doesn't cooperate and you are judged. Our, we have um, a culture of productivity. We have a culture of achievement. Do, 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 do. Um, busy, 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 busy. It's part of what made the pandemic really hard for people. And when you're forced to stop, as I said before, and you're sitting in those same poor walls, you're forced to have to deal with yourself. And then there's a, a lot of us are using a lot of business <laughs> to not deal with things sometimes, right? And so the bad has been the chronic illness. It's, it's a rough journey. It's um, often the medicines are worse than, you know, like some of my worst time periods have been like medication reactions and um, you have to keep picking yourself back up. You realize that the experts aren't always expert. It doesn't mean I think we discount experts, but we also have to know when to be our own advocates and to push and to fight and trust our instincts and our inner knowing of what we do need and what's going on. You are the expert on you. And so, um, the bad for me is just sort of inextricably wrapped up in the good. 
uh, you know, it's kind of two sides of the same coin. Um, but if we can, I guess, like I said, you, you kind of, I'm not trying to minimize the, like how rough it can be, how bad some of those moments were, but if you can not resist and sort of recalibrate, that's the new normal that people talk about. Um, and it, you know, and stop chasing what was, you know, I think that's part of it for me was stop chasing what was. Um, and I've been reminded, I do mention this a bit in the epilogue too, with the long COVID thing, um, you know, some of, again, I joined Facebook groups and, you know, for support of what are people dealing with, what are people doing to help themselves? And I cannot tell you how many times people have been suicidal in those groups. Um, the, the loss of health is really, really bad. It's a, you know, it tips into the ugly for a lot of people. Um, you, you lose a sense of yourself. You are judged by other people. We like to think we have more control over life. And so when other people exhibit this idea that we don't have control, it kind of, people have weird visceral reactions. So I, yeah, that's the bad. <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, and I love what you said about like the bad being part of the, you know, the flip side of the good or the other yeah. side of the coin is that, you know, if you don't have the bad, you can't appreciate the good and vice versa, yeah, right? There's truth to that. There's really truth yes. to that. Yes, there is. You know, this is where we have something to compare to in every sense of the word. And and I think it helps us once we've gone through that journey. I think it helps us appreciate the good more than mm -hmm. we, where we would use maybe take for granted more. Uh, and now when it's good, we're like, oh, this is good. Like savor this, right? Seize yeah. this moment. Yes. And then when the bad comes, it reminds you, the good reminds you it's not going to be bad forever. Right. It's, mm -hmm. It can be good again. You can get out of this. And I love that. And I want to just um, bring this up, too. You suffered from chronic illness. You had then you got covid. You have COVID, the long haul. Uh, but you also had cancer. Mm -hmm. so I had thyroid cancer when Patrick was my son. Patrick was little. So. He was between like a year and eight, I guess around 18 months was when I was getting my treatment. Um, and so it was, you know, what was hard about that was a lot of people were like, oh, you have the good cancer. Well, don't ever say that to someone. There, <laughs> there is no good cancer, right? There's no good, you can't function as a mother scenario. Um, and so that was hard. And, um, and my body went absolutely freaking haywire afterwards. And the autoimmune had already started. Where I didn't have cancer, my thyroid was dying from Hashimoto's, which is autoimmune thyroid. Um, and it just really set off this cascade of issues. And for me, I had a really hard time regulating my thyroid. Things are a little different in endocrinology these days, but when I had it, um, they were just literally just readjusting what was considered normal. And, um, there was a lot of patient advocacy to get to that point where women were told you're fine. That's normal. Or you're depressed. You're anxious. You're middle-aged and the thyroid levels were not being measured adequately. Um, and so it, it took a long time to get, um, that regulated for me and, um, and then just some of the complications and then the cascade of other health issues that it, that it costs. And, um, 
And so that was my first, you know, I'd had other health issues. I just didn't think of them as I have chronic health issues. I was in my 20s and I don't know, you know, the the cancer put a different point on it because I was a mother and that not being able to take care of my son piece of it, um, that was different. And um, and then it just, it was kind of one of those where like the, it wasn't going the direction it's supposed to be. I had a rare variant, you know, so everything I was told initially, like, you know, so psychologically it took some to process through it, but I'm yeah. right now I don't even get scans anymore. I, it's, you know, it's funny because again, I think this is the reminder of the bad of life is that, and resilience when you're in the throes of it, there was a time I couldn't imagine not facing the anxiety I dealt with every six months when I had to get a scan. And now I don't even think about it. And I, I didn't think that time would come at one point, right? And so that's one of the other things I say is like, hang on, because the shift is going to come. And sometimes it's just by time, you know, um, changes in our life. My son's older, he takes care of himself, you know, so some of my chronic illness is no different, but he's different and the demands in my life are different. So hang on, hang on, the shift will come. Oh, that's such great, great wisdom right there. Oh my gosh. All right. Well, if that wasn't ugly, (laughs) there's more. (laughs) There's always more, you guys. I mean, rest assured, you think you've all taken the championship over here, but you know, everybody has it. Just not everybody is talking about it. That's the difference, but everybody has it. So let's go ugly and share with us a story about the ugly part of your journey. Yeah. So the ugly, you know, this is a hard one to talk about because, um, the person's still in my life. And so loyalty to that relationship, even though it's different, but I think a lot of women will relate to this because I think going through friendship changes is really, really rough. And I'm at midlife now. And so I've experienced a lot of different shifts and turns. And, you know, you know, that saying like friends for a reason, friends for a season. Well, nobody tells you that a season could be 10, 20, 30 years, you know, when a season changes, you know? So for me, part of the ugly, again, as always, seems to be tied to the body and uh, chronic illness um, but was working with a friend and it wasn't working anymore. And that was difficult to navigate, I think, for both of us. And what was really painful for me was that I had really, it was kind of one of those, this is a high eye mistake. Just roll with it, go with it, fell into it, um, stepped in to help when she was in trouble. And then like, hey, stay, work with me. And so brought all my GM experience to bear to help her reorganize her business. And, um, and I was having one beyond the normal everyday chronic health. I started having one issue after another, like, like it was getting kind of ridiculous. And so it was getting hard and frustrating for her, but it tapped into that deep thing with me of like, my worth isn't there because of my chronic illness. Like I can't do what I want, what's expected, what's needed. And I also had someone who was supposed to understand me better than anyone else, not honor that truth about me. And um, so it was painful. It was really, really painful. Um, But again, the flip side, 
is that I took a step back. And you know, it's funny because when I did the, I did the disc training not long after that one, I decided to start to do my own consulting work. And one of the reasons I did disc is because I wanted to be able to give small business owners better tools um, for themselves and their staff. Because um, when I first stepped out of my own, I was doing a little bit more small business consulting because that's how I kind of been in more small business as a GM at that stage. But when I did the disc, I was like, aha, like I could see where we were triggering each other. I could see where uh, the way one of us would think or describe or act um, was a clash. And even though so many other things were great and we did a lot of good things together and made a good team in so many ways. So it was, a, again, one of those light bulbs where it gave me a way to reframe and understand something in a different way. Um, and it led me then even just to continue to reassess um, what makes the most sense for me? Um, what are my gifts? What are my talents? What are my skills? But what are my needs, right? And also, what are my values? Because what I had done was try to roll myself into what worked for her. And it really didn't work for me. And it is really part of the root of why I started having more problems health-wise. Um, and when I stepped away from that, and the nature of the industry, it was a very sort of like burn and turn kind of industry. Um, when I stepped away from that, I realized I was in a lot of frenetic energy that I thought was sort of good. Um, because coming from a low energy place at the time, chronic illness wise, I thought, Ooh, you know, like this sort of like gets me going. And I realized, no, no, that's more adrenal burnout. And so I was forced to look at sort of some of what, how I was acting, um, evaluating and making decisions. And when I took a much harder step back and looked at all of that, is when I decided that I just needed to do this and really focus more on individuals. I do corporate training, but it's more of an in and out kind of a thing versus consulting. Um, but on my terms, it, what, what works for me, and guess what, I'm working full time now. And so that thing I was chasing by trying to do it the old way, by trying to do it someone else's way, um, now I'm doing it on my own terms. And I feel like I'm really, truly, finally, fully in my calling. I love that. Oh my gosh. And you know, if you didn't have that ugly experience, you could still be in that place, right? Where, where yeah. looking back, like that was the worst place you could ever be. You weren't going to grow. You weren't going to thrive. And it would have just really um, continued to wear and tear on that relationship anyway. So yeah, I, and I was, I was selling myself short because I felt I was working for peanuts because it was a friend of mine. So I was willing to do that because it was a friend. And, um, but I was selling myself short. I really was. And because I had this feeling that, um, I can't claim my old worth because of this chronic illness, this whole, I'm unreliable thing, right? Yeah. What that piece was. And I had to work through that and I had to let go of that. And I had to not, um, even for good intentions, right? Even for good reasons, not inadvertently devalue myself. You know, and that is the, when we say you got to change your story, girl, right? Like yeah. you have the power to change your story as soon as you decide that that's what you're going to do. And it sounds like that really happened for you where you had that realization of like, I can stay like this or I can you know, change my story and take my power back. And it sounds like that's what you did. Well, this has been amazing. What a conversation. I could keep this going 
all day long. I knew we would be able to we'd be like, we could talk, do a 10 hour podcast. <laughs> I know we need a talk show. We need one of those like long talk shows or an all day workshop. Oh my gosh. This is so fun. So, but I want to say thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you for being invincible. You know, it's so hard to go through these things, but at the end of the day, we somehow we look back and we're grateful because it took us, it made us and it formed us and it prepared us for the place where we are right now. And so looking back, how grateful are we? Right. But it's, you know, I always, yeah, I believe that as entrepreneurs, once we figure out the truth, we have to go back and tell the others. And that's what you just did today. You just went back and told the others, like, listen, this is what happened to me. And this is how I dealt with it. And this is what makes this great because it put me where I am today. And I appreciate you so much for that, for your book, for just all that you're putting into the world to give these women hope and encouragement that they can do it too. So thank you so much. And to our listeners, I don't know where you are in your life or your business, but if you're face down on the ground right now, if you're having that moment on the side of the road or on the bed sobbing, (laughs) wherever you are, if your face is down, you gotta get back up. You, if, if you don't get up, you are never going to do the great thing that you're just about to do. Tell them, Christine. Absolutely. I always say um, life's tough. We're tougher, right? And um, one of my favorite quotes from Anne, the poet Anne Sexton is, the trans little girl is yours to do away with. And so dig deep, dig deep, reach out, find tools, but get back up. I Even love it. Crawling. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Hey, we've all been crawling too, yeah. right? It doesn't matter where you are. Put one foot in front of the other. Get back up. We are reaching out to you right now to grab your hand and we are pulling you. Do you feel yes. it? We are pulling you off the ground. Get back up. Step into your greatness. You can do anything. Hey, thanks so much for hanging out with us today. If you were inspired or learned something new, please subscribe to the podcast, give us a review and share us with your friends. For more information about me and how I can support you, please stop on over to my website at camilehman.com and book a free call with me. I'd love to meet you and learn more about how I can support you.